online at radioverulam.com and on 92.6 FM. We are the radio station for St. Albans. Radio Verulam. Radio Verulam. Welcome to The Generation Gap, presented by me, Clive, and her, Claudia. And in this programme, we're going to explore the differences and similarities of being a teenager now and in past generations. I am a baby boomer, so a teenager in the 1960s and early 70s. She is a 21st century girl. So what are the differences and the similarities between the way we live our lives now and then? We're going to try and find out. Yes, hello and welcome to The Generation Gap with me and with Claudia. Hello. Hello. Now, uh, today we've decided to talk about something uh, a little interesting, about driving cars and about learning to drive and things like that. Because I think these days, um, perhaps young people don't drive cars as much and there's probably some very good reasons for that. So, uh, So what's your take on that? So, you said to me that young people are not interested to drive as much as they probably should be well i don't know it just struck me that i've known uh obviously i know some young people um who have drive who sorry have learned to drive and who drew do drive um but it seemed to me in my day pretty much everyone expected by the time they got to 17 they'd run out and get their driving test and then they'd be driving around pretty soon after that but was it because it was imposed on or like um no, no, I think it's just an expectation. And I think, obviously, um, you know, I learned to drive when I was about 18. And um, actually, I, I drove to school, I remember, in the last uh, couple of terms because I'd passed my test by then. And obviously, people do drive to schools and so on now. But it just seems to me it's, it's a much smaller proportion of people. And I, I guess it's something to do with how much it costs to learn to drive, to have a car, and so on. I think, in my opinion... Everyone's still very... It's like the next step during during sixth form to or college to kind of get your driver's licence and it's the next kind of big thing that you're going to get, the driver's licence. Yes, yes. Little card. And, um, yeah, um, it's, it is quite exciting, but I think... At the same time, it's a lot, there's a lot of time, there's a lot of money invested into this. Well, in, that's what I'm thinking, really. I mean, I know, um, obviously, uh, in my day, people had to had uh, lessons. What you tended to do was your parents gave you some lessons, and then you had a, a few lessons with a driving school just to sort of polish up your technique to pass the test. You had to learn to not just look at the mirror, but to be seen to be looking at the mirror and staring at the mirror to make sure they knew you were doing it, that sort of thing. I'm sure that's still the case. But, of course, now the test includes a written test and all sorts of other extra bits on it. So I don't know if it's more difficult to pass, but it's uh, certainly, um, it takes a bit longer, I think. Yeah, because there's lots of strange questions that you need to know the answer to. It's just like an exam, really. Just pointless questions, you know. (laughs) Well, indeed. And I think also you, you learn to pass the test. And when you've passed the test, you have to sort of learn to drive properly afterwards. That's one of the things. Yeah. Um. Have, uh, have you have you started learning to drive? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I've, I've started looking. I have a. My mum's bought me a CD that has all the tests on it. Right. So I, I've kind of glimpsed over that, but I just don't have the time. And also, um, I have friends that go to uni quite far away, say Leicester or um, Exeter, and um, they're really discouraged to have a car. Because you don't need it at uni when you're, like, living in accommodation. You're quite close and you just don't need... You don't have a 
need for a car and also with parking spaces and stuff it's just more expensive even even more expensive than the original driving test so um i think that's quite that's that's one of the factors as well that contribute that you don't actually need what need a car until after uni if you go to uni i think that's probably right and, and somewhere like leicester in fact most of the universities are in places where you can get to by public transport you can get to leicester by train very easily i've been there a few times um i'm really sorry when was this song when did this song come out i'm not sure about mm, 1980-something, I think. I really enjoyed that. Did you? I quite like these old, old songs. Oh, well, I'm happy that you do. Yeah, but I'm not sure Sarah's going to like it. She likes that one, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I actually was given a car, a Morris Minor, for my 18th birthday, which obviously sounds very grand. I have to say it was not just second-hand, it was probably third or fourth-hand. It was about 15 years old then. Um, but it was rather a good car to drive, and I had it for some years till it literally fell apart. In your day, did you have to pay insurance? Of course. You always have to have insurance. Yeah, see, I forget that you're not actually that old, as I probably think you are. Um, I, I don't know when they introduced car insurance, but I'm sure it was a long, long time before I started driving. Um, obviously, for very good reasons, if you have an accident or you um, crash the car somewhere, um, you can't necessarily afford to have it uh, repaired yourself. And obviously, if you've done damage to somebody else, you need to pay them as well. That's what insurance is about. Um, I think the difference is, of course, now that um, the insurance for someone your age when you get it, if you try, is outrageously high. Um, I did a quick look um, earlier, and I think for you, you'd be lucky to get away with less than about £1,500 a year for insurance. But I don't get it. Where is this money coming from? Where are these numbers coming from? Do they just make it up? Well, no, it, it's, it's a very clever calculation. Insurance companies, they obviously have lots of statistics about how many car accidents there are, how uh, old the drivers are, and all the evidence shows that drivers under the age of 25 have far more accidents than anybody else. And so uh, that's one factor which they put in. So therefore, if you have an accident in a car, the repairs are going to cost, you know, £5,000. They want to be able to cover that from the premium they charge you. Um, the other issue is something where the um, EU made a rule which has implemented quite recently. Um, you know, young women drivers are much safer than young men drivers, as it happens. Um, but really? Yeah, they decided... I think if anyone's listening in a car who is a man driving, they will strongly disagree with that. Well, um, statistically that's the case um i don't argue it's obviously statistics are about everybody it's not sort of individuals um but the point is they decided they had to equalize the um premiums so that basically they raised the amount you have to pay as a young woman and lowered it for a young man rather than um, basically put everybody up to the same level um and that means it's really expensive and obviously that's expensive um, based even on a very small car because again it, the kind of car you're driving if you're driving you know a sports car then you're going to have a much higher premium and if you try and learn to drive and you're 18 and you go out and buy a big sports car it's going to be thousands and thousands of pounds for insurance i think my aim is still to have ferrari as my first car which i did yes kind of. not well i suspect sort of Okay, maybe not. <laughs> Unless you've got access to a lot more money than I suspect you have, um, you won't be able to drive a Ferrari when you pass your test. You don't know what's going to happen after I finish my degree. Right. Okay, this is this is clouds of wishful thinking. <laughs> right. Okay, let's play some more music now. I found a really good one here, which is entirely appropriate to you. It's by Prefab Sprout, and it's called Cars and Girls. Oh. 
old songs for today yeah well that's why driving is obviously an old-fashioned thing to do <laughs> um let me tell you I, I did my driving test obviously um way back when i was about 17 i think actually and i i actually um took it three times before i actually passed it and i have excuses the first time was actually in december and there was a blizzard it was really snowing very badly and I, was, I was doing my test and so um it was quite difficult conditions and i went too slowly apparently um that was the main thing and the second time um i was doing really well i thought fantastically and i got to a, a, a corner and i turned to the instructor and said which way now and unfortunately it was a one-way street and so obviously um i should have known which way to turn so he oh, failed no. he failed me on that yes um and third time was very interesting because um in the second time he also said i wasn't keeping up with the traffic properly because i was very carefully going at 29 and a half miles an hour everywhere to make sure i wasn't breaking the speed limit but on the third time he told me it's more important to um keep up with the traffic and so actually i was breaking the speed limit quite a lot i mean not by much but i thought that was quite interesting it was a sort of judgment that in real driving keeping up with the traffic even if it's going a little bit too fast by the speed limit was okay and that was all in a town center i took it in mill hill actually which is quite a sort of built up area so there you go. Now, of course, that may not apply now. And of course, I didn't really break the speed limit, honestly. <laughs> um, but it was quite interesting. It was because the driving instructor and the driver uh, and the uh, tester were much more interested in your sort of confidence and your ability to handle the traffic and so on. And if, if it meant going a little bit fast to overtake something or bicycle or whatever, that was more important than actually strictly keeping exactly to the speed limit and so on. And I think that was probably quite good practical experience as well. I think now you have so many health and safety regulations and so many like um, rules about how you can, it's like you can't do it any other way, you have like a specific requirement and that's it. Well I think you're right, they're probably clamped down a little more and of course now we have thousands of cameras everywhere watching you, including these really nasty ones which are the average speed cameras, particularly on motorways. So um, you can drive along, of course with an average speed what you could do is drive along really fast, much much faster than the speed limit and then stop for 10 minutes and so um, by the time you get to the end camera your average speed was actually fine. So it's not really a terribly good system but obviously most people don't do that. Um, it's just a uh, it's another way of trying to catch you and of course i think there's a quite a general view that some of these speed cameras and things are really there just to make money rather than actually for safety purposes yeah um but that's a different question and also speaking about money um were we yeah you said um, oh, yes. cameras money. And money yeah um did you know that apparently i don't know how true this is so no one no one quote me on this but apparently there is a, a percentage of people that can pass their test. Oh, is there? Yeah. Oh, I see. There. So, like, before you even get in, get in the car to, like, you know, do your practical, there is a percentage of people that already, like, can pass the test. You think... So, if you're not in that percent... Yeah. So, you think your instructor's already... I've already passed 63% of them, so now the next ones I have to fail them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not really sure if that's true, but it could be. I don't know. These, I, these, I'm not these sure if that's haven't. true either, but that's that's the... Um, that's the rumours I've heard. Mm, these are sort of excuses people have. Anyway, it's an interesting discussion we're having here, I think, on this programme. This is The Generation Gap on 92.6 FM Radio Verulam. And uh, Claudia and I are discussing now about driving and learning to drive and about cars. And if you'd like to join in with the conversation, uh, you can certainly uh, contact us via Twitter, which is... RV at RV Gen Gap. And also on our Facebook page the generation gap the generation gap and remember we are against clive because clive says that 
young people just don't can't be bothered to to learn how to drive i really don't think i said that i think that is more about they don't see the need for it and particularly when it's going to cost them so much money that's exactly. the problem so we're, we're, we're against you <laughs> all right but uh, i do agree about some of the money that's it's not it's not very nice well it's a huge amount of money to spend when you haven't got any isn't it <laughs> that's the reason In Hatfield, Jersey Farm and Sandridge, 92.6 FM, Radio Verulam. Yes, and this is the Generation Gap here, and we're talking about driving and about cars. And I think one of the other issues for me is that, obviously, young people are quite stuck uh, living in areas around like Hertfordshire because although you've got buses and trains um, the buses in particular have been cut back now so there's no buses after I think about 7 o'clock in the evening is it? <gasps> Shall I tell you my story? Oh your story? My story about buses Oh was this when you got stuck recently? I got stuck recently, yeah Shall I tell the story? Yeah go on So basically I was going to Hemel and it was 6 o'clock at 6 o'clock I got to the bus stop at Luton and I was going to Hemel and I thought, yeah, okay, so an hour usually it takes to get to Hamel, you know, mm-hmm. fine, I can do that. I'm on the bus, it's nice and warm. And then the, the bus driver goes, oh, I'm not going any further. And I'm just saying, where are we? And he said, Redburn. And I was like, um, okay. So I got stranded in Redburn. My phone died. I had no one to call. And I go into this little tiny shop. And, you know, Redburn, Redburn's like this little tiny area. Well, from where I was, anyway. Compared with Hemel, yes. Yeah. And I was like, I was telling this this woman my sub story. I was like, please help me. I need, like, help. And she was like, oh, go up the street and you can get a cab. I'm just like, I don't have a phone. And I'm, I'm not paying for a cab. So I was standing there and I was like, oh, what do I do? And suddenly, the whole street, street's lights turn off. And there's and I'm just like, what's going on? Um, there was a power cut, by the way, and um, this man let me use his phone from a chip, fish and chip shop, and that's how my mummy came and saved me. That sounds a bit like one of those sort of standard horror movies, doesn't it? Yeah, I I seriously thought I was going to have to walk home, but then I thought it was pitch black, and what's going to happen to me? Oh. Yes, um, it does sound very much like. Actually, I think you could write that down as a script for some new horror movie. I just, I just have to mention the bit before. The bit before I got onto the bus. Okay, there was this woman at the bus stop, and she came up to me. She, she was like really cold so I chatted to her for a bit and she said I feel really bad for homeless people at this time of year and I was like yeah I know it's really cold and she said I saw a man stepping on a pigeon and plucking its feathers and I was like oh okay I don't think it's true I think she was lying to me Right, you obviously meet some interesting people on buses or waiting for them, don't you? Yeah, okay. that, that was that was the hit of my night even though afterwards I had a bit of a horror story Right, well, these things happen. Obviously, if you had your own nice warm car, you could have just driven home straight away and it wouldn't have been any problem. I had to pay for the parking ticket and parking as well, and I would have to pay for the petrol, and yeah. Okay, yes. Uh, it wasn't an invitation, actually. You can not drive my car until you've passed your test, at the very least. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, I drove the Ferrari. You drove a Ferrari. That's true, I've seen a photo yeah. of that. Yes, you drove a Ferrari. And there was no insurance on that. <laughs> Well, no, but you were inside a, a sort of um, walled track or something, weren't you? So it wasn't like yeah. you... Were, it's when you... 
It's when you go on the public highway you need insurance. So I had a, I had an instructor next to me and he was like, you're in a Ferrari, why are you driving so slow? And I was like, oh, I'm trying to keep control, I think. Well, it's not like being on Top Gear where you're going to zoom round the racetrack. Oh, no, don't bring that up. I'd love to be on Top Gear. Top Gear? Really? Yeah. Oh. Yes, I'm not sure I can see you there. You, you will have to learn to drive first, I should think. I think me and Chris Evans really get on. Yeah, but I'm not sure there's room for two gingers in the same show, you know. Oh. <laughs> I can be so you like, have to push him out. Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm. I don't know, I don't know. I quite like Chris Evans. Yes, so do I. I do listen to him, I have to say, on another radio station sometimes. Oh, how yes. dare you? Yes, yes. Um, now, OK, so in terms of cars, now, realistically, I mean, you've already got a car, actually, have you, which you can learn to drive on and then you would be able to drive, which yeah. I think you told me was a Nissan Micra, is that right? That is correct. OK, pretty good little car. And actually, one of the other things is, I think in the days when I had a, my first cars, they were pretty unreliable. You know, you actually went outside in a winter's day and you expected you'd have to go brum, 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 and it wouldn't start. And now all the cars, you just press a button and it starts. It's really amazing how the technology's gone on. Are you talking about the um, automatic cars? No, no, it's just that they used to be, um, you know, had the way they started, you had to turn the key and start them. And, okay, you still turn a key in many cars. um, But it just basically, the way the engines were built and all the various electrics and so on around them, um, they weren't very reliable. And also, you used to be able to go out and you open the bonnet up and you could sort of hit something or uh, kick something or wiggle it about and that would make the engine go. These days, you open up the bonnet, it's just basically a bunch of computers under there and you can't touch anything, you can't do anything to them. Um, And that's really quite different. So, I mean, they're much more sophisticated, but they do generally work better because they start straight away. Ah, I did not know that. No, well, I mean, that was the trouble, you see, because even if you had your own car and were stuck somewhere, like you were talking about earlier, um, if it was one of these really old cars from, like, the 1960s I'm talking about, um, it might not start anyway, so you'd still be stuck. Oh, see, that's why I need my mummy. Yeah, that's right. And, of course, there used to be, I suppose you could talk about this, there used to be the RAC and the AA, which still exist, of course, Yeah. but they were membership clubs, and the driver, the uh, people who drive around the vans all wore uniform. And if they saw you driving past with your badge, which said you were a member of the AA, say, they used to salute you as you went by. It's fantastic. It's sort of ancient history now, I suppose. You can't imagine that sort of thing happening, but that's actually how it used to work. It was really quite amazing. <laughs> oh, you, you, uh, Clive's getting really excited here about the salute. What it was is because it was like you were part of their club you see so you were friends and if you're broke down they'd come and repair your car for you and make you make you able to get Aww. home it was really nice how lovely so i, I i'm guessing it's just that one click that was saluted um yes it's, ah. <laughs> i'm not quite sure what you meant but um yeah I, they so uh, that was the difference now and of course now it's basically that they still run the system but they're just an insurance um outfit so you pay them to be a member so called but then of course they they come and fix your car if it breaks down um, i've only ever called them out two or three times and um it's really an interesting experience how long it takes for them to come and save you but sometimes it's quite a long time i remember once waiting about three hours it wasn't very it must good. depend on where you are right because yes. if I'm in Redbourne, like, obviously there's, like, miles and miles of field around me, so I'd expect them to be a bit longer. Right, but it's not too far away from civilization. Oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Redbourne. <laughs> sorry, Redbourne. Um, uh, it, it was my first time that I got stuck in Redbourne, and that's why I keep bringing it up, so... 
Like, it's quite an experience of the little shops, how little the shops are. Oh, it's a cute place. Very nice it's, shops yeah. there and very nice little cafes and, and pubs and things like that. And the old, old style post office as well. I loved it. I loved yeah, it. Absolutely. Um, I was just remembering at one occasion when I called out the, um, I think it was the AA, um, years ago, and I was in Newcastle and I was driving down the A1 from Newcastle and basically um, I saw... Uh, the, the car was having a bit of a problem, so I pulled into this garage where there was an AA station, because they used to have those things, um, and said, oh, I've got a problem, and yes, we're a member, and can you fix it? And they said, oh, we're not allowed to do it here on the station court, forecourt, so, uh, like the service area. So if you just drive down the road, there's a lay-by about half a mile down the road, and call us again from there. So I did that. It took them three hours to come see me. Oh, no. But did they save you in the end? Well, yes. I mean, I don't remember what the problem was, but it, they, they fixed it. But it was just amazing that it was sort of just up the road from there and I'd already spoken to them and they took so long to get there. Uh, oh, no. But the most recent time I had to call them out, they came out very quickly. So, um, you know, it's, it's variable. Yeah, I suppose you, you just have to get the right time. And I think also it's this thing now that I'm perhaps a bit more nervous about cars breaking down when they're old cars, because my car at the moment is about um, 10 years old, so... I think this is a generation thing in itself. Um, I think in the olden days, people would just, especially in Poland, I'm not sure about here, but in Poland, you just fix it yourself. Well, that's what I was saying, that you used to be able to with the old cars, um, because you there, there were various things you knew you could sort of unscrew something or put it back in or kick it or thump it, and it worked. But nowadays, it's just all computers, and you can't do anything with those except perhaps uh, fiddle around with the um, oh. emissions on them. Oh, mustn't say things like that. <laughs> um, but um, um, I don't know. I think if it was a Polish person, they still find a way to unscrew something and fix it well it depends on the car you know some cars are better than others and of course in the old days bad old days in places like poland they used to have those wonderful russian made cars the larders and things like that was it the wartburgs from east germany and i don't know anything about that and there were the ones <laughs> the ones that were made from cardboard and things like that and they weren't exactly reliable i honestly I, all i know is that if something broke down a Polish person would fix it himself or themselves. So, so maybe the AA and RAC just need to employ lots of Polish people to be <laughs> I'm sure fixing they have. The cars. <laughs> I'm sure they have. Probably have already, yes. Okay, we won't get into that conversation about all your um, Polish friends who live in this country. I do apologise. <laughs> I don't mean to. I don't mean to take over that that subject. But um, but I'm just saying that I know that that was, is what would have happened. Well, I had an experience recently. My, my um, dishwasher broke down and the uh, repairman was Polish and he fixed it in about 10 minutes flat. He was really good. So I have a story. Mm. Can I please tell the story? Um, so my friend works at Morrison's and um, he his little trolley, I don't know what he does, but his little trolley broke down and the battery um, broke down or something and um, he couldn't carry on working so he had to wait for to, for the battery man to come and fix the battery but he did it himself so he got fired <laughs> oh and my mum's like typical Polish person take a, takes it on himself to like fix the battery and takes that someone else's job <laughs> <laughs> oh it was funny I, I had a good giggle about that right of course um, we can't really get into all these sort of discussions here because I'm sure it's politically incorrect to be fair yes I totally agree that he should not have done it because he practically took someone else's job. I know. It's awful, isn't it? Yeah. Just all these Polish people. Coming over here and taking people's <laughs> jobs, yes. 
<laughs> in Fleetville, Radlett and Harpenden, 92.6 FM, Radio Verulam. I drove all night. That's something which um, you might have to learn to do one day when you've passed your test. Um, not very exciting, but it's a good way of getting out because I think one of the other things that's happened between um, the time when I was uh, young and started driving, of course, is there's far more cars and so there's far more congestion and traffic and so on. Um, and that does make it rather more difficult to get around these days. So getting out early in the morning or driving overnight is often something that people do just to be able to get where they want to go. That's quite cool, actually. Driving all yeah. night. I really, when I start driving, I really want to have a road trip to Scotland. Scotland. Yeah. Long way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You could drive to Poland. My mum, yeah, I've done that with my parents, actually. But my mum says that I can't do it because um, I won't be skilled enough to drive in Scotland. I don't know what she means by that, but you know. Little windy roads and mountains and things. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think one of the issues is, of course, you pass your driving test and the day, the next day, um, you can go out and drive any car you like anywhere you want. And I think that is quite um, scary, really. I think there perhaps ought to be, perhaps I should try this on you, I think there maybe ought to be a probation period of perhaps a year when you are restricted in some ways in what you can drive. Because, I mean, you could take your test on your Micra or some little car like that, and then the next day... Step into the Ferrari. The Ferrari comes out, and you without any experience can drive up and down all over the place with your Ferrari with your licence no I think that's a good thing you think that's a good thing <laughs> yeah mm. well would, honestly would you think would you not think it would be a little bit unsafe on the roads if I stepped out in a Ferrari well yes and that's not a personal comment on you it's obviously a comment on anybody who hasn't had much driving experience and that's what I was trying to say um, I mean I keep reading about these people who are sort of multi-millionaire types who go out and buy the Ferraris and the other very posh cars that you see on Top Gear sometimes um, and crash them and there's a number of people who have had very serious accidents and have been killed in these cars because they simply can't handle them. You know, they're far too powerful. Um, and even a small car like your Micra or like a Fiat 500 can easily do 70 miles an hour on a motorway, just like anything else. Do you know what, what is also quite scary? In, um, say, in Poland, you drive on the other side of the street and because, you know, the... Oh, they drive on the wrong side of the road there, don't they? Yes. Obviously, because the... Um, the wheel was on the right of the car, which is the right side, apparently. <laughs> Get the joke? Yes. Um, yeah. But, um, so, you, in Poland, you just have to kind of, like, send your licence. If you want your in your licence to be converted into English, then you send your licence to get converted, but you don't actually get training to, like, drive on, on the other side. On the of the road. side. Yeah. Well, That's quite scary as well. Well, I, I've... I've done both. Obviously, I've lived in uh, I lived in the states where they drive on the right, and also I've driven around in Europe a lot. Um, but it is quite interesting because I don't know. It's just me. I find I drive quite happily on the right hand side, and then it, I always do it wrong when I come home. I remember once driving up my own road on completely the wrong side of the road just after coming back from a trip on the continent. I'm pretty sure <laughs> it's only England that has it on the right side. Well, we drive on the left here, and other countries do drive on the left, um, including Japan and Australia, for example, and. Um, Ah, oh, I don't know that. The countries where, I was going to say India, but I think in India they drive in the middle of the road. I'm not sure they drive on either left or right, really. Um, but obviously on the right is normal in Europe. Although I'm old enough to remember there was a, um, in Sweden they used to drive on the left. And, um, of course, they were completely different from all their neighbours, like Norway. And they used to have this bridge where you cross between Sweden and Norway and you had to switch over which side of the road you drove on halfway across the bridge. And uh, that, that was a really... Uh, 
dangerous, I think. And so they changed and they literally shut down Sweden for a weekend and they put road signs on the other side of the road everywhere and they changed all the roads around. And then, like, over the weekend, they took away all the um, signs which were the wrong side now. And from Monday morning, everybody drove on a different side of the road. It's quite organised way of doing things. I guess not many countries yeah. could do that. Sweden's sort of place they organise like that. I think when people come here, the first thing they say is that why are the, why are the signs on the road? Because, you know, in England, you have signs on the actual road. On the road, well, as well as the sort of si- roadside signs, yes. That's yeah. because um, people can um, see them better. They get two chances of seeing them. Yeah, but um, we always get comments. That's always one of the main comments that we get. Interesting. I mean, the other thing which is fun is that sometimes they, the people paint the big white lines, uh, the big signs in white on the roads, spell things wrong. <laughs> there was one, uh, I remember, somewhere in this area where they put slow and they spelled it S-O-L-W, which was rather good. Um, so... <laughs> Oh and the excuse was if you're painting four foot high letters, you know, you can't quite spell at the same time as well. Um, <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I, I'm thinking, I'm sure they do put signs on the road in other countries as well. I'm, I'm not sure they don't, perhaps po- they don't in Poland. I'm not sure either, but um, I don't think there are any in Poland. Not that I know of. Not that I drive in Poland, but yeah. Mm. But then in Poland, you have places where you have trams on the road as well. Ah, yes. Now, I have actually been stuck on a... got the car tyre stuck in a tram rail, I remember, in Brussels once. That wasn't very fun because the tram was heading towards me rapidly and I couldn't get the car out of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I know incidents of um, a car getting sta- stuck in between two trams. Yes. <laughs> That's quite scary. Trams are nice. I like trams, but we don't really have many of them in this country now. It's quite strange. I think it's quite strange. When I go to Poland and see them on, on the road, it's just kind of like, get off the road, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you know, it's more common in other countries to have trams. Uh, there are some in this country. I mean, Sheffield's got trams, for example. Um, and uh, I think Manchester has now as well. I don't think I've even ever been to Sheffield. Oh, it's a nice place. I should go. Absolutely, yes. When, you, when you've got a car, you can drive straight up the M1 and go to Sheffield. Yes. There you go. Um, and then I can give you a generation feedback. <laughs> Absolutely. But to do all these things, as we've discussed before, there's one thing you're going to need, isn't there? And what's that? And we've decided that money, money, money is what you really need to be a driver. You've got to buy a car, you've got to pay for insurance, which is pretty high for a young person like uh, Claudia. And also you've got to do things like there's a, there's a car tax and you've got to buy petrol for it. And of course, you also have to get the car repaired every now and then. And uh, so really, I think the average ownership cost for a car is something like £3,000 a year, which is obviously a lot of serious money. So I think we've reached an agreement that driver's licence is quite a lot of money for young people to spend. Well, it's just, I think, in terms of your whole life, you know, the biggest thing you'll ever buy is probably a house, and the second biggest thing you buy is probably a car, and obviously through your lifetime you'll have several cars. I'm trying to think, I've probably had about seven or eight cars, and I actually keep them quite a long time, so not like someone who changes their car every couple of years. Um, and uh, I suppose if you can. Well, if you can, yes, you know, if you're super rich and you can So here's the question. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could have any car... What would you have? I don't know. I'm not really into the big sports cars. Um, oh. No, sorry. Um, but um, some of the quite sporty sort of cars are all right. I mean, a lot of um, 
saloon cars i mean the the famous um golf gti is actually a really sporty car but it just looks like most of the other golfs except it's got a few extra bits and pieces on it i like something like that really i see you as a jaguar man a jaguar mm. Mm. or how about the aston martin no. Shaken, shake not stirred and all that James Bond <laughs> thing. No, 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 I see more as a British... I mean, obviously it's British, but um, a Jaguar man. Yeah, I guess a Jaguar would be quite nice. Um, see I, you covered in leather. 